It's the Super 90s Brothers! Christoph, let me ask you, why do you think that uh, Truman has never come close to discovering the true nature of his world until now? We accept the reality of the world with which we're presented. It's as simple as that. Welcome to the Super 90s Brothers, Ow! where we do hazy memory riffs on the most voyeuristic decade ever. I'm your host, Brennan Pointer. Along with me is my co-host, Adam J. Pitzler, and today we're talking about The Truman Show. Ow! Here we are, getting, yes. getting, getting watched by millions of people, Adam. I don't know There's true. little cameras everywhere. Um, There's one in the, in the toilet bowl, which I really try to block. Some of them I kind of like, you know, like I like a little attention. I put a camera in our house, um, like a like a doorbell, like a ring, you know, like, you know, those ring bell. like you can get the, the ring on your front door where you see people come up. But you can also buy ring cameras that you put around your house. And I put one in um, our living room and had it up for a couple of days. You don't want to have that in your house. <laughs> Why not? Creepy. The Jehovah's Witnesses don't shave or what? No, not the not the front door one. The one in your house that you put like I put it on top of like by where the TV is, and like you could see all of our kitchen, our living room area. But like we could like see my mother in law communicate with the kids, and I'm like, I don't think I want this. I don't think I want to be able to watch how my mother in law communicates with my with Lincoln Ivy. Oh, you were spying. Well, it wasn't spying. It's a camera in my own house. Maybe it didn't start out as spying, but you were spying. Well, I took it away, I like because it just. I walk around my house naked. You know, I don't want that. Ew. I don't want that going to the cloud. You know, I don't want people at Ring being able to see me naked in my house. I walk around the I house. I don't think naked. anybody wants to see you naked in your house. Oh, that's not true. My mom, my wife does. Your mom does. <laughs> my mom. My mom does. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, welcome back. Uh, I hope you're all walking around naked in your house and listening to another sick episode of Super Nineties Brothers. Welcome back, Brennan. Welcome. I'm I'm here and I'm I'm happy to be back. Are you happy to be back? I am. I'm excited about today's show. I'm excited about the rhythm we've got going lately. We're getting all these kick-ass uh, fans and uh, we'd love to hear from you guys even more. And I know I say this every week, but if you haven't done it already, seriously guys, five-star reviews, please, pretty please. Yeah, we need Pickles some new, on top. We need some new we need some new five-star reviews. Like we yeah. we're kind of like haven't had one in a couple of months. And that's I think that people think we're so cool mm -hmm. that they don't even need to give them anymore. They have, they, these guys have made it, they yeah. think. Yeah, and I it's like, it's yes, we have, but we, we could make even more. Like yeah. we're still like mid tier. You know, I want to be top tier. I want to be competing with Conan. Yeah. Let's compete with them. I want to be competing with the rewatchables. Yeah. yeah. Conan O'Brien, big, I'm a big fan, but Hey, I'm coming for your top spot, bud. Yeah. And uh, Joe Rogan, you too. Um, yeah, we're the next Joe Rogan and Conan O'Brien's. Yes, we are. Oh God, that I 
I, I mean, you're taller than me, so that makes me Joe Rogan, I guess. Plus, I like MMA, but I'd mm. much rather be Conan. He was a writer for The Simpsons. Yeah, I would rather be Conan, too. I mean, I definitely have the hair, so. Five-star reviews from you guys is what we need. Get on Apple iTunes, hit us up, leave a nice note, tell us about Brennan's hair. You can add us at Super 90s Brothers on Twitter. Brennan is at Spokast Pods. If you want a podcast made for you and you're in the Spokane area, I'm at adampitzler.com. You can check out my screenplays and short stories and all that shit. Super 90s Brothers at gmail.com is our email. Let me say that again. Super 90s Brothers at gmail.com, all spelled out. Email us. Tell us about a 90s topic that you want to hear about. Tell us about a thing that happened in the 90s that we've never covered, like an incident. Maybe we'll bring it up. Mm, yeah, I love it. I still want to talk about I still I still want to talk about OJ Simpson and if he killed his wife or ex-wife I guess. Yeah, if like <laughs> the the only if is if you if you don't believe in DNA, which I guess people in 1994 <laughs> didn't. By the way, the People versus OJ Simpson done by the Ryan Murphy and and the American Horror Story guys, that that show was so good. Sarah Paulson mm. and uh, John Travolta yeah, definitely watch the OJ one and and what and check out Super 90s Bros. Thank you so much. But what are we talking about today, Brandon? Enough with the bullshit. We're talking about The Truman Show, one of my favorite uh, 90s movies. I, I feel like I say this every week. I, I mean, you do. Yeah, but it, you it's... only let us do your favorites. See, as I like to do movies I hate. I think like I like to rip on shit. Yeah, that's true. We can rip on this, though, because I've definitely watched it and there's stuff stuff I'd, I definitely want to rip on. Well, so. We want to hear you rip one out and... Uh, today today is july 22nd but i want to do 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 a solid here and take you all back to june 1st 1998 that's 24 big years ago king Griffey jr's number let me set the scene for you now this is something we've been doing so i want you all to close your eyes and travel back in time picture yourself it's june 1998 the chicago bulls just won their sixth nba title in eight years the country is buzzing about monica Lewinsky blowing bill clinton and the radio starts playing. It's the tunes of the time. Oh, yeah. Tunes of the time. I smell sex and can they hear me? Who's that lounging in my chair? Who's that casting devious stares in my direction? Mama, the surely is a dream. Yeah, mama, this surely is a dream. Take it. That was the number 11 song in the U.S. at the time, Sex and Candy by Marcy Playground. Ow. I remember this song very well, mostly because it came out when I was in the eighth grade and I was in this weird music class in junior high and we had to bring a song every week uh, to class and we had to talk about it and dissect it. And I brought this song, like I must've had this single or whatever. And I brought it and we like talked about it in the class and hang on. How, how many kids were in this class? I don't know. Like probably 30? about yeah. 20. Okay. And every week, every kid had to bring a song. How would you even have time to go through that? I mean, did you guys ever play music? I don't, maybe it was like a couple, like it was a handful of us. Like it wasn't. But what you didn't bring one every week, but like right. the second week in September is your week or whatever. Yeah. So I brought this song to play and because it was a very, you know, popular song in the, during that, during that spring of uh, 1998. And yeah, I remember, yeah, it was very, this was like that time of like the 90s where like alt rock was very popular, like the soft alt rock, like Matchbox 20, Oasis, 
So this song is defined as post grunge. And I gotta, mm. I gotta be honest. I fucking love this song to this day. I love this song. I think it's great. There's something haunting about it. The video is good. Like it, the video was, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's that good. It was just, it's interesting. It wasn't like it's, it's an art house video yeah. and it makes no sense. Like I, you can't tell, tell me what's going on in that fucking video. I don't think anybody knows. I think there was making shit up, which wasn't all that uncommon at the time, especially for like weird songs that didn't have a lot of meaning. Brennan, you've disclosed that you don't really pay attention to lyrics. You just you just like songs if they make you dance. Did this song make you dance? No, but it definitely made me. This is probably a song that I did listen to the lyrics because it was like a song that you would like. I'd probably play in my bedroom and like listen to while I was. I don't know what I was playing video games or something. And I don't dance know. around naked in your room and your mom's like, all right, <laughs> stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, no, in the video, the lead singer's got his like head through the floor and there's like a tarantula or something crawling around his head and the tarantula for some reason has marionette strings on it like somebody's pulling the strings of the tarantula but it's mm. not like the tarantula was supposed to be a puppet I think it was symbolism that the tarantula that somebody's controlling the evil in our, I don't know I, I really don't know I think people were just making up weird shit on set and be like oh that looks cool let's try that and I really don't know what the song's about like no no so I looked into this so John <laughs> Wozniak the lead singer he initially labeled this a love song, but he later recanted and said he didn't really know what the song was about either, Brennan. You're not alone. Like, he didn't know what it was fucking about. He just thought the phrase sex and candy was, quote, weird and cool. And it's some phrase that some girl said to him and his girlfriend after they'd, like, banged in her dorm room back in college. I guess, like, I smell sex and candy. Like, yeah, it just it made me think, like, is that what sex smells like? Like, is it candy? I don't really know. I I mean, like, what, 1998, I'm like 14 years old. Like, I don't really. I think I think they were saying it smells like sex, comma, candy. Like, there's sex in the room and there's some candy over there. Hmm. Yeah. I think. I definitely sing along to the song, not knowing it, what it meant. It just, you know, I was, I was in, young Brennan was just enjoying it. This was yeah, during my, like, time where I was, like. The naked time. I was still listening to R&B, but, like, this was, like, No Doubt was really popular that I was listening to that was very similar to this. Well, real quick, I want to get back to the video. At one point, the lead singer and his buddy, they just like fuck up some woman's dresser. And I have, I have absolutely no idea why. I know there's like women's underwear and stuff in there, but they don't, they don't seem to be doing anything with it. They're just like fucking up her dresser, like bashing it with a crowbar or something. And then eventually the lead singer just dies drowning in a pool of his own turquoise colored blood. Like what the fuck is going on? I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Like it's nothing's really going on in this music video. It is definitely just an art house. Like go watch it. Like if you just want to spend some time going down the rabbit hole of old 90s music videos, just go watch this and then like get get sucked down. I did this last weekend where I like started watching a bunch of old like 2000 music videos and it I did it for like an hour. I was really high. I love the I love the late 80s music videos mm. when the technology was still really shitty. Those mm -hmm. are I love to do that with late 80s. Um so it right as of yesterday it had 38 million views on its official YouTube video. Uh Rolling Stone called it the fourth best one-hit wonder of the 90s. So oh, I wow. guess Marcy Playground's labeled as a one-hit wonder, but I never saw them that way because they also did the the movie song for the movie seven with brad pitt that's fucking awesome and it's this song called coming up from behind which never got popular but i always really liked and i like i like have it on my my like my music so anyway check out check out coming up from behind if you like marcy mm, I, I i like the sound of coming up from behind it's a 
very uh, sensual song yeah. title. It's got it's got really good lyrics. I really like coming up for Bynes lyrics. Anyway, speaking of things that were loved unconditionally in the 90s, let's get to our featured topic, The Truman Show. Ow. Yeah. I'm Ow. when you gave me all the notes for this the other day, I was like started going through and I'm like, "Oh, night Ju- like June 1st of 1998, like we're leaving junior high and going to high school now, Adam." We're going like, to go be men. Yeah, we're going to go be men. We're going to we're going to hit on like senior cheerleaders and like be prom kings and football stars. Is what's going through our heads. And it was like the summer of like I would do I could do kind of anything I wanted to because it was I was playing baseball a lot, but I was also hanging out with my friends a lot. And we would I, I remember going to see this at the Newport Cinema near me. And it's a very like this movie's like stuck with me from my entire life. Like it's just a movie that I go back to a lot just because I mean, I love Jim Carrey, but like this is like a Jim Carrey that we had never really seen before. It was a dramatic Jim Carrey for the first time. So tell me about your your theater experience then. What do you, what else do you remember about it? Your emotions or whatever. You know, reality TV did not exist that much yet. Like there was, you know, real real world existed, but other than that, like nothing. Like this is even like Osborne's didn't exist. Like this idea of like being able to watch someone, and like as a a voyeur, like didn't exist. And it was like a really interesting idea and it was like i just enjoyed seeing the movie in the theater like it was just it wasn't anything spectacular to see like it wasn't a movie that you needed to see in the theater but it was fun to go see like i guess it, it, it it's so weird to think about movies going to see them in the theaters in the 90s versus going to see them in the theaters today like now if i don't watch a movie in the theaters i'm just watching it on my like 70 inch tv back then like if you didn't if you missed you just flex all your tv size to the audience you know but you know what i mean you have a i'm just watching on my you have a 70 tv naked you you know with my mom cheering me on (laughs) with a you have like a a big tv as well so you know what i'm saying like back then like if you didn't see the movie in the theater you're missing out on the experience of seeing it like really large like now you're not really missing out on that no, no, you're not. But th- there is something to be said about the ambiance of a theater mm-hmm. where you're there with a bunch of other people all experiencing it, probably for the first time in yeah. the theater. And, the you know, they got uh, the best speakers. You're not going to match speakers. I-, I know people have home surround systems or whatever. They're not as good as the movie theater, buddy. Right. And, you know, there's something mystical to us about the movie theater because it used to be such an event. Like mm-hmm. going to the movies with your friends or your family was always so cool. That's the lost over the years, probably because of what you said, how awesome our home entertainment center is, how many apps and streaming services and options we have every day. Mm-hmm. But when I go to the theater, there's still a little bit of that twinge, you know, they're like, ah, oh, there's something, there's something just kind of more fun about watching a movie in the theater. Yeah, totally. And I don't like, I don't have like a, a great experience. I just remember this summer of seeing a lot of th- movies in the theater, like 1998 was just I can't really, I don't recall like all the movies that were coming out. Like it, but it was like, you know, 1999 was next year. And like, that's the matrix. It's a lot of, it's the fight club. It's a lot of different, a lot of other movies that like have really stuck with me. And then, but this was like the beginning of my adolescence of seeing movies in the theater. Well, good. Yeah. I definitely agree that I think the nineties is, is my favorite. I mean, obviously it's my favorite decade. We do a podcast about it, but like, I also think it's the best decade for film. Like Mm. I just think the most amount of, good rewatchable movies was made in the 90s like i don't think i don't think the tw- the 2010 through 2010 through 2020 was absolute dog shit film mm-hmm. wise like i just 
I, I can think of 10 movies maybe I'd want to rewatch again and again. Like 2000 through 2005 or so was pretty good. Something about like 2006, 2007, shit just changed. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So did you, did you go see this in the theater? No, I missed Truman Show for a couple years. I didn't see it till I was like a junior. Oh wow! Honestly, I honestly I had a bit of a hard time accepting Jim Carrey in a dramatic role. Like I didn't, it it didn't appeal to me as a fourteen year old, you know, immature kid who liked Ace Ventura. Like I, you know what I mean? Like I I did I couldn't quite get my brain around it. Oh, he's being serious now. Yeah, I got over that later at the end of nineteen ninety nine when he did Man on the Moon. Because I always, I always had kind of a man crush on Andy Kaufman, so I went and saw a Man on the Moon. Mm. And I thought, wow, you know, Jim Carrey can actually pull that off pretty well. So I went back and watched Truman Show, re- you know, not too long thereafter. I was like, wow, he is—he's a lot better than I ever gave him credit for. Yeah, like the movies that he did before uh, the Truman Show were The Mask, Dumb and Dumber, Batman Forever, Ace Ventura, and Nature Calls, The Cable Guy, Liar Liar, and then The Truman Show. So like. This was yeah, the, the the only one of those that isn't like a straight out like screwball comedy is like Cable Guy, like and that that's still a comedy. It's just it's, it's just a little more offbeat. It's a little darker. Yeah, I mean, and, it, but he's he's totally wacky in that movie. So yeah, all he'd ever done is like wacky ass shit. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so um, Brendan, you loved it. You said you loved it when you went and saw it. But like, what I know that reality shows were new. It was a big summer for you, but like, try and tell me what you were feeling when you watched it just a little bit. I just was really rooting on Jim Carrey to discover that he was in this world that was fake. Like I wanted him to get out of it. Like I wanted him to get out of this world that like was created for him and him to be able to go experience life. Like at the end of the movie, when he finally gets out, I like, I, it it made me very happy. Yeah, I cried and and you wept. And then the other into, night when I watched it naked on my couch, I I cried and wept too. You wept into your mother's bosom. Stop. So, uh, Brittany, <laughs> you're the one that said it. I, didn't right? say, I said I said I accidentally almost said mom. I was saying, no, you didn't almost say it. You said it, and then you changed it to something else. You know, like when you get old and you like and yeah, you start I mean, referring to like your. This. If you have kids, you start referring to your your wife as mom because like she's a mom, and oh, I, I don't like that. No, I don't have that. I like no. you know you like I sometimes like to say hey hey mom like I don't I don't like it I don't like calling Abby mom but she is a mom. No, I, I get it. I'll call I'll refer to my mom as grandma when I'm with my nephews, so they know who I'm talking about. Mm. So I, I guess I kind of get what you're saying, but yeah, not very sexy to call your wife mom. It was a Freudian slip, probably. Ew. <laughs> I was joking. Do you think Freud had like a super hot mom, by the way? No, I don't think he had to have, right? He's not going to build his whole career if he's got this really frumpy mom that like no one would hit. (laughs) My God. Uh... Like he would reject that premise entirely. He's like, you're not in love with your mom. You know, mothers are right. The guy's like, no, my mom is hot. And he's like, well, (laughs) she's shingle. All right. Enough of the nonsense. Uh... Brennan, it's time for my favorite part of the show. Brennan's bad synopsis. Ow. Oh, here we go. Um, so the the you know synopsis of this movie is that our main character Jim Carrey, also known as Truman, you know it's a Truman Show. He is living within this world that is constantly being filmed twenty four seven, and the movie starts. I don't really remember. I forgot how like the the intro to the movie starts because like you you go right into like the 
the show Isn't part he like, of it. Fu- he's like fucking around in front of the bathroom mirror. Yeah, there's like he's get, like he's starting his day in this world that he lives in because it wasn't. It's not until like halfway through the movie that you actually get to see everything. Like you actually are even introduced to like Ed Harris and the other characters. But um, but you just go through Jim Carrey's day, like Truman's day. He is a I don't really remember what his job is exactly. Like he is a, he must, I think he's a banker. He's an insurance salesman. Oh, insurance salesman. Thank you. Um, but he has a lot of problems with like in the world that he lives in. He's very, he's scared of a lot of things. Like he's scared of, you know, water. He's scared, scared of dogs. He's, um, but the world around him is all actors. His wife's an actor, his best friend's an actor, and they've been with him for ever. And that's just, they're just basically, Showing the world that you know Jim Carrey lives in, in this little small town of I believe Seabrook, Sea Haven, Sea Haven, see, yeah, see something. But then, some at one point during the movie, he like something happens, I don't remember exactly what, but you f- then start cutting to all the people watching Truman, like people watching at a at a bar, people, somebody watching in their bathtub, like friends watching it in their like dorm room, and then you start getting this idea like, oh, like he's there to entertain all of these people. And there's a lot of stuff that's going on around him where he's starting to learn about the world he lives in is is all revolving around him. And and I guess this is why it's really hard to explain the plot of this movie because it's just it starts with that. Like you learn about his life here. You start learning that that it is he's starting to learn that it is fake. And then, but you start getting backstory about all these things that are happening that have happened to him over his life, like his dad dying and like the, in the water. And that's why he's afraid of going, like going anywhere, going on a ferry. But then you find out that this is all being controlled by a man named Christoph, Ed Harris. And he's, he created this idea to watch a, a, a baby from birth to forever and they create this in this fake environment around him and that's when he starts learning Truman starts learning like this place is not real everything's revolving around me and I like without like there's all this there's not really there's it's a weird plot there's just like he finds out and then he he gets out he escapes the world they live in and I'm missing so much but that's basically the basic plot of this movie there's no way to tease you when you skip ahead like that. You just when you get in trouble lately and your bad stuff is you just skip to the end. But like, what's the buildup that I'm missing? Like the fact I that don't know. I, you're supposed to fuck it up. That's what you're missing. Yeah, I'm, you, you're, I'm, you're, you're 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 not you're not fumbling around enough. That's that's what's missing. It's a really hard movie to explain, like the whole plot of because it's it's very. I guess it, there's not. It doesn't go exactly from A to B. The whole movie, like they go from A to B, and then the, like they have all this backstory about this girl that he met who, you know, was trying to tell him that this was all fake and around him. But like, he's just, it's Truman. He lives in this world where he's getting filmed constantly. He's, and it's been since day one. And now he is a grown man and it's basically his life around him. And and now he's discovering that he, he is the star of this show. So I like that they kept him in sort of like an era, like Mm. the whole, the, like Sea Haven feels very like 1957. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, um, not not entirely. It's not like that. Everything is supposed to be, but like the whole general tone of the town and of technology 
is like a very retro look so they can control what he's exposed to. Like you can't give him cable TV, right? Right. So they show like old reruns of I Love Lucy and shit for him. Yeah. And so in his reality, like TV is as good as I Love Lucy, which by the way is like my favorite one of my, like my favorite old show. And I think Lucille Ball is like the funniest actress mm. like ever. So I love I Love Lucy. But he doesn't know that there's more than that. And he, he literally is more than that. Like he's literally putting on the show that's as new age as it gets at the time. Yeah. And what's really funny during the movie is like all the product placement that's in the the movie. Like because there's a lot of nods to like stuff that he's using or stuff that like his friends are using. And they like they plug it like when they're talking about it, like they're uh i remember them the, him and his friend are sitting on the back of a truck and they're drinking a beer his friend uh marlon who's played by noah emmerich he drinks a beer and he's like ah isn't that so good yeah and he like looks at the camera and turns the label to the camera <laughs> yeah it's just like i like doing that to my friends when we're out at lunch and stuff they'll look at me and i'll be smiling holding a coca-cola with the label toward them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but everyone's in on it around him too like everyone's so aware of where Truman's at. And like, you can see that throughout the entire movie that like people are trying to like create this world around him. And you can tell that people are just like acting. And then when Truman, like he kind of gets um at the very beginning of the movie, he gets a bug under, like he kind of gets a bug to like the travel. He wants to go travel and he goes and he tries to go to a travel agent and like, they're like, Oh, can't, nothing out of here for three weeks and there's like a poster on the travel agent's wall of a lightning bolt going through a plane <laughs> right. discouraging you to travel <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but the most like i think the the movie gets so interesting though is when they they break i guess like it's the third is it are they breaking like a third wall where you find out like the the workings of how this is created you find out that where this is being filmed is like in LA in this humongous, like basically biodome. That's the biggest sound stage in the world. It can be seen from, from space. Well, turning, turning directly to the camera and speaking to the actual audience is breaking the fourth wall. Oh, so maybe you. that would be breaking the third wall. Cause they're, they're not really, I mean, they're, they're talking to other people in the movie. So maybe that's the third wall, but I think, I think the phrase is typically the fourth wall, but yeah. that's, yeah, I know what you mean. But like, yeah, they, they break, they, you find out the, like the workings of the show. Like you, you learn about Kristoff and like how, why he created this show and that you find out that Truman was selected from all these other orphaned children, which is very problematic when you think about it now. But when he's given that interview about how the Truman show was set up and funded and filmed, I love when they reference the times that people tried to break in and <laughs> warn him. And it's like Christmas morning and some dude pops out of a present. He's like, you're on TV, Truman, you're on TV. But like, <laughs> Truman's like two at the time. <laughs> and the dad like tackles him. <laughs> it's a very tongue-in-cheek movie like there are very much elements of comedy in it but it it's such a yeah it is a very dramatic movie at the end of it when he discovers that he is in this fake world that is revolved around him and he wants to he has to break out of it and but they do anything they, they're trying to do as much as possible to keep him in it and there's even a point where like Kristoff well, this is breaking the fourth wall where Christoph does speak to him like as like God at the very end well, of the again, movie. I'm not sure it's the fourth wall because that would have to be us. And he gives him the option like you can live in this world and be the star of it or you can go and be in the real world and just be like everyone else. 
Yeah. And he, and he tells him like the real world sucks. Like sea Haven's awesome. You know? Right. Well, you don't really want to leave, do you? But I mean, you're Truman. You have to leave. I mean, you, you can't live in a, in a fucking TV show. Mm -hmm. So, all right. You know, not your worst bad synopsis. No. Um, so thank you, Brennan. So I want to get into the characters a little bit. Obviously Truman Burbank is played by Jim Carrey. Duh. Brennan listed his credits earlier. Brennan said he's a man living inside a canned world. He doesn't know he's being watched. Um, and, the, and his whole world has been set up. Like it's all staged. It's all fake. Everything, literally everything that happens to him is controlled so that he feels a certain way or he thinks a certain way, mm. or he ends up with a certain girl. Like it's, it's literally like a, instead of like, it, think of how a TV writer writes a script from scratch. Well, imagine if your main character is a real person. So all you can do is trick them into doing what you want. That's mm -hmm. sort of what the whole show is about is, is trying to trick or convince Truman to do things that you want to have happen in the show. Not necessarily what's best for Truman. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was interesting. I found out that Robin Williams was considered for this role too. He was sort of like the other big consideration. And the director had said that he wanted somebody funny he wanted to make he wanted the movie to be kind of light because he thought it had really dark heavy tones but he wanted to show that it was it was both things it's also real which is quirky and, and it can mm. be funny at times and so he distinctly went after a comedic actor thinking about it robin williams would probably be really good in this too like it's hard to imagine anybody fucking up the script if i'm being honest like i just love this script yeah i mean jim carrey seemed like a i mean he was probably like a sure thing for this for this movie to to succeed, no way. He was definitely not a sure thing. He'd never done drama. You're at right. The time. You're right. You're right. That's a, that's a, that's a good point. Because like Robin Williams had done drama and he had won a Oscar about three years earlier or two years earlier for Goodwill Hunting. And I think that was that same year. Was that '98 or was that or was Goodwill '97? I guess it might have been '98. It might have uh, been the year before. It might have been '97, but not uh, that much earlier. But yeah, I mean, seeing Robin Williams is definitely. I definitely could have seen it. See that happen. He is kind of older obviously so it doesn't seem like yeah how old do you think truman is supposed to be in this i was thinking about 30 i thought i was thinking 36 30 like around like so mid 30s older. well they, were they don't to have, have kids, kids yet yeah yeah so I, that's why i thought maybe it's supposed to be somebody just a little younger yeah and th and they seem kind of not broke but they 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 talk a lot about how they don't have a lot of money and how they need to save up to go do things which is kind of part of controlling him but it's mm. also real like it's it, for his time and his life he's not that wealthy yet right that is that's so true. Hmm. so anyway uh brennan said they they get him to be afraid of drowning by they they drown his dad tra traumatically when truman's a child at one point in school truman says he wants to be like an archaeologist adventurer and the teacher's like well there's nothing there's no more earth to discover so forget that you know? <laughs> yeah uh... <laughs> and then there's like you know, you talked about the subliminal messaging, but they, they like message him through the radio and through TV shows and newspapers. And when like shit goes wrong, like when Truman accidentally sees something not supposed to see, they'll try and cover it up by having some bullshit story on the news, which was which was funny. Oh, like there was a light that fell at the very beginning of the show. And and then they're like, oh, the, there was a plane flying over and it like had dropped some some it was debris. Just shocking parts yeah <laughs> uh and there's another point point where they like so they were like setting up this world of like you can leave it truman but like shit just happens to you that make you not leave it so like they tell like his insurance agency like says hey can you go over to this town and take the take the ferry that he goes and the ferry's broken down so he can't go like they do all these things on like this make him not want to leave the bus was broken down the ferry he couldn't get over the water oh that's right yeah 
so Truman has like sort of a catchphrase. He always gives his neighbors every morning. Like they they made Truman like a real character in like a 50s TV show, um, which was fun. And we, we've got that drop for you. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Morning, Truman. Morning, Spencer. Hey, Pluto. That, that's like how they led the, the trailer, I, I believe, was with some... It's definitely in there. He's just a very likable guy. He's like an every, he's, he's he's an every man. War, he's fucking Ward Cleaver, dude. Yeah, no, he very much is. Uh, that's Truman. Is it the penultimate character? No. <laughs> do you do this just to fuck with me? <laughs> I do, yeah. So t talk about the second character. There's only really two important characters in this movie. Yeah, there's Kristoff. He's played by Ed Harris, uh, famously of The Rock, The Firm, A Beautiful Mind, Milk Money, another famous 90s movie. Do you know Milk Money? I, I've seen Milk Money. I, I forever, because it, it's like, uh, who's that woman in it? Melanie Griffith. He, it's all about like seeing women's boobs for the first time, and it's then like, it's like, like about little boys. They go like hire prostitutes to see her tits, yeah. and then they're like, "Hey, our dad's single, and you're a whore, so why don't you get together?" And she's like, "Okay." Um, That's sort of the movie. Anyway, I like um, Milk Money. But he's also in Apollo 13, which I think he's really famous for. But yeah, Ed Harris is great. And Christoph, he's he's an overly artistic, pretentious, pretentious director who is you know he's obsessed with Truman. He's put him in this world, like he created this world for Truman, and he does things to fuck with him to make things interesting in in this show because ultimately it is a show that needs to to have like some sort of plot i guess like and it's they set up in the movie that this is the most watched tv show ever in the history of mankind and and everyone is obsessed with it yeah and he's a god figure he's just that's that's who he is but uh but i don't say he's overly i mean he's controlling obviously but he obviously gives Truman the opportunity to leave, which Truman takes, but not really. Well, he has. Well, well, he, the, do you think they? Let's were, get into that yeah, we'll later. Get into that later. So I got a question. I got a question for you. Yeah. Do you identify more with Truman or with Kristoff? Mm, that's a tough one. I mean, I myself as like a a creative, I feel like I like controlling things, but I feel like I'm not ever controlling things. I feel like I am more like a like a Truman, where like. I'm being fucked with for things to happen and make it make my life interesting. So I think I more relate to Truman. Yeah. I was thinking about this and I, I don't know why this question struck me the other day. It just came to me, but I, I kind of identify more with Kristoff because I guess in my life, you know, you got employees, you've got side projects, you've got what I feel like I'm always trying to keep everything in balance all the time. Mm. I'm always having to, set things up so they work out right. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm having to constantly think about stuff all the time. Whereas Truman is almost the inverse of that. Like right. everything just happens to him and it's somebody else's doing. He doesn't, he doesn't need to do anything. Like a wife falls in his lap, you know, like they give him a job to give him money. They, they help him get new stuff. Like, I don't know. I just, I feel, and also like, obviously I'm a creative and I've directed and all that. So I, I just, I love the character of Kristoff. I think he's great. I mean, he is, he's kind of a dick, but I like him. Mm -hmm. he's an interesting character and he also like doesn't come into the movie until like almost halfway through it like you don't really know too much about him he's very um yeah, and i kind of like that too I, I like that you you grow to learn that he had done all that. that like you're watching the first half of the movie you're like oh how's this all happening they're like oh it was him yeah. you know he's so very, anyway very mysterious yeah oh and yeah here's a here's a little clip of uh 
of Kristoff. We've become bored with watching actors give us phony emotions. We're tired of pyrotechnics and special effects. While the world he inhabits is in some respects counterfeit, there's nothing fake about Truman himself. No scripts, no cue cards. It isn't always Shakespeare, but it's genuine. It's a life. Wow, that's a Ow. that's deep. That you know what's so weird about this movie is it holds up so well today, mostly for the reason that reality TV is so pervasive. Like it, it's everywhere. Like there's nowhere you there's no channel that doesn't have it. There's all these different reality shows now, and I have a feeling that like Truman Show was a a big piece of it. Like because like. It's so true what Christoph just said. Is this like like I watched the Kardashians with my wife? Uh, and you do not. Yes, I do. I love the Kardashians. Still? Oh no, I watched the new Kardashians, not the old Kardashians. The new one on Hulu. I, I don't know what that. Kardashians ended their thing with E a year ago. They started a new. But like, series. are the young kids now the stars? Is it like Kendall? No, it's so Kim and it's it's all of them. Dude, but wh- the, how could you watch that shit? It's fun to watch, dude. You're like those people watching Truman show except Truman's genuine you're watching fake shit no I disagree see this is why th- no this is what's great about the Truman show is Truman's real and everything else is fake right our reality TV it's all fucking fake it's fake it but it, these people are experiencing real life yeah kind of kind of okay I mean agree to disagree no we're not agreeing to disagree we disagree I think of I I used to think down on people like Kim Kardashian who have become famous from being reality stars. Now I seem to more side with them because they've created a world where they are the influencers and they are influencing everything around them. They created it or did their Kristoff create it? Well, I guess Ryan Seacrest did. did so <laughs> <laughs> That dude really cleaned up. But I don't know. It's, it, it's interesting to think about now. It's like how much reality TV is like just around us everywhere. My wife was like addicted to that 90 day fiance shit for mm. like a few years. And that's, it's like one of these shows that like every six weeks they come out with like a new season. Wow. It's like, it's like it never ends. You know what I mean? Like I'm like, I'm a diehard NFL fan. I get 16 games a year plus playoffs. There's 892 episodes of fucking 90 day fiance coming out every two weeks. Like I, just, I can't, I can't, who has time to consume that much content? I, that's a good point. I don't watch that much reality TV anymore. I watch Survivor and I watch the Kardashians and and then the NFL. <laughs> I I, I kind of got into um the Ultimate Fighter for a while before it went to ESPN Plus. I don't watch it anymore, mm. but I used to I used to really like that one. And I used to like Survivor. I don't watch it anymore, but I want to talk about the rest of the cast. Yeah. Um, you you mentioned Noah Emmerich as Marlon. Noah Emmerich had a really great role in the movie Frequency, which I'd love to do with you. I love Frequency. I love Frequency. I could do that. Yeah, and he was also in the movie Copland, which I think is a really awesome Stallone 90s movie that never gets any love. I think Copland is so good. Mm. And um, I'm not sure how you say her name. Natasha, it's like Natasha McElhinney, but it's like, it's it's spelled like McElhone. It might be McElhoney. Oh, anyway. Um, yeah. She played the real love interest her name was Sylvia and and she like went to college with Truman and like the producers didn't want him to fall in love with her for some reason. So they like, mm-hmm. you know, they they forced they they forced her out of the show and they wrote in Laura Linney, who's like this goofy cheerleader type 
that sort of like stumbles on him with her ankle and throws herself at him because she's an actress trying to get more airtime on the show. And, I, and her name is Meryl, which reminds me of Meryl Streep. Oh, yeah. And she, yeah. And it's like, oh, she's an actress. I think like I think that's a little tip of the cap. Like, oh, she's an actress. Her name is Meryl. Mm -hmm. I cannot stand Laura Linney for some reason. I, I can't give you a good reason. I, she's not a bad actress. She's not ugly. I just can't fucking stand her. I don't I, I have no I can't watch the Ozarks. I can't I can't really watch anything she's in. I fucking hate this lady. And it's like inexplicable. I usually I usually have very distinct reasons for hating people. I couldn't tell you what I hate about her. That's it's, funny. It's just innate. Like we're innately different. That's really funny. I Abby hates Laura Linney as well because we watch the, we watch the Ozark. We watch Ozark and she is definitely our most unfavorite character in it. And she's very unlikable in the show on purpose, too. And and but when I was sitting down to watch this, I was like, oh, I didn't even know Laura Linney was in this because this is like this had to have been a pretty early role um, for her in her career. She's not really famous yet. either. Yeah. Like, yeah, she hadn't been like she had been in Congo primal fear and then the truman show oh she was another like she was in dave apparently but congo sucks <laughs> congo uh primal fear is okay it's not overly rewatchable to me but it's good but yeah she she is there's something about her that's just kind of cold and you just yeah I can't, I can't put my finger on it but i fucking hate this lady and i love 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 that all the fake audience in this movie also hates her like they, they're all like, oh, Meryl, you know, like I has got to leave Meryl and get with that other girl. Uh, like, I love that. I love that everyone hates her in this movie. It makes me feel validated, even though I know it's fake. It's like my own Kristoff is yeah. helping me out. One thing I didn't catch when I saw this movie the, the, the first time was the fact that they were they were basically in the process of rewriting her character. Like she was getting out of the show like something was going to happen to her like. They keep yeah, on kind of teasing Christoph says she's going to leave him. Yeah. And and they introduce some new hot secretary or something at the insurance agency at one point. And they're like, hey, Truman, this is Jody or whatever her name is. And yeah, Vivian. And she's like, <laughs> she, yeah, she's very unlikable. And then there's not really, I mean, you mentioned Paul Giamatti um, shows up in the movie for like a little bit playing typical Paul Giamatti. Uh, he didn't have a lot of lines. He no. was kind of background. This was this was pretty early Paul Giamatti career too. Like I don't think he really got famous famous until like uh, Private Parts, I mm. think. Um, and, and I think that was ninety nine two thousand. So and this movie, I found out the script was or the the treatment was written in nineteen ninety one, and the writer Nickel sold the treatment in like nineteen ninety one to get the movie made, and it got stuck in development agency director bullshit for years mm. they started shooting this movie in december of 1996 but they didn't finish until like third quarter of 1998 and i i don't i don't think it was constant 24 7 shooting or anything but it took a really long time to finish and paul G so paul think of paul giamatti 1996 paul giamatti ain't shit in 1996 right he's not no like he i mean his first big role was probably like in big liar um no isn't that, that was true? 2001 he was in private i think he oh, was in private parts oh, yeah, and um that sam jackson movie uh the negotiator pretty oh, good i never I haven't He's seen that uh, oh it's good i just rewatched that last year it's good yeah but paul giamatti is like one of my is one of my Oh, he's great. I love him in Sideways. I like I really like Paul Giamatti. What's that? The what's that movie where he's the comic book writer and it's like it's sort of like a half comic book movie? Oh, it's um gosh, I it, it is a really good movie, and I don't know why I can't remember it. It's called. Well, go ahead and look it up while uh, I set up the next clip. Please do. Um, 
so we mentioned Natasha McElhenney or however you pronounce her name. And she's like the real love interest. And she likes Truman, but she feels bad for him. There's like a common problem in this movie where like everyone kind of feels bad for Truman because they want him. They want him to know the truth. They know that like everyone's kind of like playing him and they don't think it's fair to him. And so she, she like he like likes her and they like run out to the beach one time when they're supposed to be studying for finals and she just fucking lays out all the cards and we've got that drop for you. Truman. What do they want? Listen to me. Everybody knows about it. Everybody knows everything you do. They're pretending, Truman. Do, do you understand? Everybody's pretending. Oh, I, I don't know. No, no, no. But my name's not Lauren. It's Sylvia. My name's Sylvia. Sylvia? Yeah. Lauren, sweetheart. Out again. Hey, wait a minute. Who are you? I'm her father. What? I've never even Come seen on, you sweetie. before. We're doing it. Please, honey. He's lying. Honey, please. Truman, please. No, don't listen no. to him. Hey, Everything I've on? told you is the truth. Please. This is it's fake. It's all for you. I don't and, understand. And this guy, and this scene, everything. It's a set. It's a show. Right. Everybody You'll be all right. So yeah, that's uh, the scene. Uh, like, that's a pretty pivotal scene where like that character, she, Lauren, Sylvia, is trying to you know tell Truman that he's in this fake world, and but then I guess they kind of convinced he was kind of convinced otherwise when the dad shows up and says like, oh, like she's she's crazy that she's done this before. And like, they were really, she's like, you're not the first one. He's like, you're not the first one. She's done this too. Like, she's crazy. Just, just forget it. Uh, And Truman's like, I don't care. She's hot. But that would, I feel like that would kind of strike me if I was Truman. Like, that's kind of weird. I don't know. Especially weird. Cause you like never see her again. And he's like, we're moving to Fiji. Oh, and that's why he's wants to go to Fiji. That's why he always wants to go to Fiji. Cause he's chasing this girl that was ripped out of his life for, some crazy reason that he can't understand. And it was, it was American splendor, by the way, the Paul G. Monty movie, yep. which is great. It's almost 20 years old now. I can't believe that. That is crazy. That it's almost 20 years old. Do you want to get into our favorite scenes? Let's get into our favorite scenes. Yeah. What, what, what are some of your favorite scenes? Well, there's this scene where like Truman is going through all this shit and he's like really evaluating his world. And he feels like there's something going on, like something's rigged about his life. And he's sitting there with his oldest friend, Marlon, and they're having a beer and they're like hitting golf balls or maybe they're sitting there. Marlon like leans into Truman and he's like, well, this can't all be fake because then I'd have to be in on it. And he's like, the last thing I'd ever do is lie to you, Truman. And then like it it cuts back to Kristoff's world and you can hear Kristoff feeding him the lines through like a little mic. It's like Kristoff is like writing the script during the conversation, which is like the ultimate screenwriter. Like, dude, you're doing this live. You're the you're the fucking shit, Kristoff. Is that the same scene where, so he's, he's telling his friend all everything that's happened. And then like, then they cut away after they do this really intense scene. And then they like zoom out from where they're at and like it up. It like, that's when they like show where they're filming at and they're kind of explaining filmed on the largest soundstage in the world. Like, is that when that happens? I, I, I'm not positive. I don't really remember. Cause they're, that's um, like probably my favorite scene is when like, when they show like, this is a show contained in this humongous studio and like this is the world and then they kind of like make it very like they heighten like how big this entire show is and how oh, big yeah, it is yeah. in the and world. Harry, Harry Shearer, who's who's a famous voice on The Simpsons, he's like the, his name is like Mike Michelson or something. Mm. He's like, oh, I'm Mike Michelson. We're here with the famous Kristoff behind the scenes for an exclusive interview. And yeah. he's sort of like, he really lets you in the curtain, under the curtain, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and that is probably one of my favorite scenes. I one of my favorite scenes is when was when is when Truman's like really discovering that he's 
being fucked with and like the rain is it's like pouring down rain on him but it's just in the one spot and he's kind of like faking out the rain and it's yeah it's like, like a charlie brown rain cloud <laughs> i will say there isn't like one scene that like really sticks with me i think the ending the end sequence when he's on he's on his little boat and he's and he's getting tossed around in this and he's trying to discover and then he hits the wall uh yeah, is I really is a really good and like, like the scene. sailboat crashes into a fake wall <laughs> yeah and like you don't even know it's coming like it's it surprises you as much as it surprises truman mm-hmm. so you mentioned this earlier they, they, there's all these cutaways to mm-hmm. people at home watching the truman show and like the 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 friend from big love is in it and there's a few other like actors and actresses you've seen before and they're mm-hmm. all just like glued to the tv living through Truman and rooting for Truman like you were in the theater as a little 14 boy 14 year old boy like they're rooting for Truman and it's like I don't know there's something really I just love that I love how they they're showing you the whole perspective of what's really going on you know I just thought that was such good filmmaking I also do like the scenes where they have a lot of product placement and the one that really stuck out stuck out to me when i we i watched it last time is when the the twins pushed him against the wall and every time he gets pushed against the wall there's like a product behind him and i didn't realize watching it that that was like they're making a joke about product placement but like when you watch it later like oh like everything in this movie that has any products in it are like it it's just like kind of showing like this is how they make money the show is all this different product placement it kind of went unnoticed because like i don't think people were really getting sold to that much in the 90s like i mean we're getting sold to a lot but like it's even more prevalent now how it like is so invasive yeah it was good the twins would like really forcefully shove him into the side of the wall too to get the shot and the frame up so you get like the perfect ad placement like they'd they'd like put their hand on his shoulder and like shove him at awkward angles to like get him right in front of the billboard <laughs> it's great this is fucking great um so i want to talk a little bit about the director uh directed by peter Ware. he's an australian and he did his best movie other than this is Dead Poet Society, which we've mentioned a few times, which is a great movie with Robin Williams, um, a dramatic movie, um, but also like this, quirky and funny at times. Mm. He did the movie Witness with Harrison Ford in the 80s, which is pretty good. And he did Master and Commander with Russell Crowe. I've never seen that one, but those those are kind of his big titles. He's not one of these directors that's done a million movies. He's only done like like 10 or something, so... Um, but at least the ones he does are pretty fucking, I mean, you do dead poet society and Truman show. You're, you're, you're a legend. Yeah, you're right. He hasn't done a, a ton and yeah, master and commander is really good. He does a lot of movies that are based on C like, I feel like he, they deal with like sailing or stuff like that. But, uh, I did not even realize he did this movie or that he did the one with Harrison Ford that you were talking about. Um, witness. Yeah, witness. I haven't seen that movie in a long time, but I remember thinking it was good. So Weir thought the original script for The Truman Show was too dark. He wanted it to be lighter and funnier and more like real life. He didn't want it so, what's the word, um, set in stone. Like Apparently it had a really like dark, firm, this is just how it is type of ending. Mm. And he wanted it more like the real world. Like you don't really know what's coming next, you know? Mm. So he commissioned approximately 15 rewrites from the writer, Andrew Nichol, who we'll get to in a second. And he ended up casting Jim Carrey because he reminded him of Charlie Chaplin. Hmm. And that was that was sort of the feel he was going for, which I think just played really well for this writer. So the writer, Andrew Nichol, who's very accomplished, 
um, obviously wrote this. He also wrote and directed Gattaca. He wrote and directed In Time, which is kind of a lot like Gattaca, but has I think it's just Justin Timberlake in it. Mm-hmm. He wrote The Terminal, and he wrote and directed Lord of War. So like these are these are big time Hollywood successes. But you I you'll notice those are all rather dark. Like Gattaca, In Time, Terminal, Lord of War, they all have these really kind of darker themes. So I think this Andrew Nichol guy definitely has more of a darker perspective. And Peter Ware, I think, was like just like a great, you know, counterbalance to that. Like I just I just love what he did with this script. I think it's just brilliant. And it's another good example of why a good director is so fucking important. Like as a writer, you give your work to somebody and you have an idea, but oftentimes your idea isn't the best idea because mm. two minds are better than one, at least two good minds. It's not always like the director makes the perfect choice, but in this case, I feel like he really did make a lot of good choices. I did not realize he uh, did In Time, and I love In Time with Justin Timberlake and Amanda Seyfried, but he also wrote Simone. And I, have, I don't know that one. Simone is this weird movie that came out in 2002. I only remember because I went and saw it with my wife in the theater, but it's about a... Um, like a not an AI, but she it's a digitally created actress that they Al Pacino is like a studio head and he places this fake actress into movies and it be, she becomes like a famous actress, but like she's not real. Um, it's kind of like the opposite, oh, like the opposite so of it's, Truman. So it's Truman like what Truman. they're doing these days with like Mark Hamill and Harry Fisher and shit. Exactly. Yeah. CGI. I think this Andrew Nichol guy is kind of a fucking Nostradamus, dude. It's that's a. That's fair. So this movie was nominated for a few Academy Awards, like the good ones, like Best Director, Best Screenplay, and Best Supporting Actor, Ed Harris. He didn't win any, mm. but I mean, that's still... Dude, you get Best Director and Best Screenplay nomination. How are you not be- How are you not the best picture? Like, like that's that seems stupid to me. Will you look up what won Best Picture 98 while um, I'm talking I'm here? I'm going to, yeah. So nominated for those... I would I want I wanted to ask you a question. If if the Truman if the actual Truman show exists today and was on TV and it was on 24/7, what sort of person would have to be the lead for you to want to watch it regularly? Like the people in this movie are watching it. Like all like they're glued to it, you know what I mean? Like what 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 kind of life would they have to lead or oh. what would interest you to the point where you'd watch something like that all the time? God, I don't know. It'd have to be dramatic, like something that <laughs> I think it would be interesting to watch like an actor go through what their life is like, I guess. I don't know. Like it's very like a, if you if it was an everyday type of person, I don't No one's life. That's a normal person is worth filming 24 seven. Could you imagine if like a camera was on me all the time? Like it would be really boring to watch me all the time. There'd well, be it's boring to watch him all the time. People literally watch him sleep. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, I it would take a lot. Like I don't think I this, feel like you'd, you'd have to be like, like the most the coolest or most famous or most complicated person like like vladimir putin is very probably is a really complicated life you've right. you got to see like everything he actually did to get the stuff he wanted like that might be whoa like i i might be glued to that or or if it was the 90s and you're watching michael jordan you know like somebody mm. who just like transcends everything else like they're just, they're just they're so above a normal person yeah and truman's truman's not like that he's just a normal guy going back to the oscars uh, best actor that year was Roberto Benigni for Life is Beautiful, James Corbin for Affliction, which was Ed Harris was up for. But best picture was the great Shakespeare in Love. Oh, fuck me. Can you Shakespeare in Love beat out Saving Private Ryan? 
mean, Truman Show, I don't really like Saving Private Ryan that much either. Like, the opening scene is amazing. Everything else after that is a fucking snooze fest. That's like, true. I, 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 just, I don't think that movie's that great. I, I think the Truman Show is so much better than both of those. Yeah. Like, I just, this yeah. is, a, how do you have a best picture, or excuse me, a best director and a best screenplay? And you're not nominated for best picture. It doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. It, the the nominee nominees for that year was Shakespeare in Love, Elizabeth, shit, shit, Life is Beautiful, Saving Didn't Private Ryan, it. and then shit, the Thin Red Line. Man, is that the Clint Eastwood movie? Thin Red Line is that really terrible uh, Terrence Malick. It's not terrible. It's a really long Terrence Malick movie. It's 250 minutes long, which I know you love. You you know, I'll never watch it. That's, <laughs> dude, that's four hours and 10 minutes. The Thin Red Line also like is known for having filmed like over a crazy amount of film. There's tons and tons and tons of film. Like it's like some absurd amount of uh, film that was used in the movie. All of those movies you just named are so one hit wonders to me. Like they don't have staying power. Like here we're looking back 24 years later. Truman Show has much better staying power. They do. I mean, I think Saving Private Ryan is, I think is a good movie. I think it's really boring after the Normandy beach. Ter- but Terrence Malick is, I, I hate Terrence Malick. Um, well, I'll take your word for it. Have you ever thought that your life was fiction, Brennan? Have you ever thought you were like Truman, that somebody set this shit up? No. Never. Not even mm-hmm. when you were a kid. Cause I used to think shit like that when I was a kid, I used to like to turn to the camera Oh. When I was a kid, like I'd stub my toe or something. I'm like, God damn it. I'd turn to the camera with like a sour puss, even though there's no, <laughs> like I'm alone in the room. You never, you never did that. Not really. I, I can't think, I can't say that I did. I, I never really thought that like there's a, do you know the, the, the new theory is that like everything's a simulation and that this is what we're living is like a, a projection of AI. You know what I like about that? What do you like about that? Does that mean we could theoretically wake up when we die and it's us? And this is just some super long dream. And then we could live a little bit of our actual real life and then go back into another simulation. And that's how we extend our life. I guess we're in hypersleep. Well, when I was watching it, I kind of thought that the movie was an allegory for the zoo theory. Are you familiar with the zoo theory? I'm not. No, it's the idea that we were all that earth is a zoo planted and farmed by aliens. Like the aliens Mm. put giraffes here. They put, you know, Rhino, like they created this or at the very least they constructed Mm. it. And this is just some big zoo to them. And we're, we're the main attraction. Yeah. And you know, Truman's little world inside this dome in Los Angeles is a little zoo for the rest of the world. And in the zoo theory, a lot of people think, and and there's been some evidence to conclude that the moon has hollowness to it that our moon is hollow in certain areas Mm. and that there's the the fucking aliens are living inside the moon watching us yeah and christoph literally lives in the moon he literally does yeah yeah so so i don't know how prevalent that theory was in 1990 when nickel or in the 90s when nickel was writing his 16 versions of this but interesting you you mentioned the osbournes came out in 2002 yeah. Survivor and Big Brother both got uber fucking popular within two years of this movie coming out. So this movie came out June 1998. By summer of 2000, Survivor and Big Brother were like the most popular shows on TV. It really did predict a lot. Or or those shows fucking ripped off the Truman Show. Or like that, you think about it, if yeah. they debuted two years later, that's a year to come up with the idea and a year in development. That's like exactly right. That's like exactly how the timeline works. Real world also existed during this time. So real world is the the original yeah, reality show. I guess. It was a little too real. <laughs> it definitely was too real. Like 
it was not too real that there's that, this great skit on 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 saturday night live at the time and it's like it's like mike myers nana Carey, and chris Fine, all the best people and like i think shannon doherty's in it it's like a real world commercial he's like my name's marv and i hate gay people and then the next guy's like my name's tim and i'm gay but i hate american indians the next person's like my name's you know wahutu and i'm an american indian oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah so a year later though ed tv comes out and, and you and your wife like ed tv i recall it's a different version of truman show this is more of like a, how a real reality show kind of works today following around people and it like it was a, a young matthew mcconaughey and he kind of gets selected to be in the show and he and he's aware of what's going on in it He's like in Woody Harrelson audition, but they picked his brother who didn't even audition. Right. And that's but, the most Hollywood thing I've ever heard, by the way. Yeah, it's so true. That's directed by Ron Howard and has a a young Ellen DeGeneres in it, like watching it now. She's going to be that young. I mean, the Ellen well, show. She's not young, She, but it's 1990, 1999. The Ellen show was on before that. It was like 97. That's not true. Her oh, sitcom? the Ellen show. Sorry. the Ellen, Not her show that she's on now. Like the No, not the shitty daytime talk no, show. Her, the, her her scripted comedy that she did. The Ellen show. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I always thought it was weird that this movie came out, you know, after it, because it was like, it's a, it's a ripoff of, I mean, not a ripoff, but it, using the success of German show. Dumb shit. So let's get into our final thoughts and some dumb shit about the movie. You said you have some stuff. I'm, I'm, you're on deck, okay? Okay, I'm on deck. The thing that I don't like, and the thing doesn't make any sense to me, is when Truman finally escapes, he sort of blocks some cameras. First of all, how would he know where the cameras are? But he he's like fake. He's like faking being asleep, and he blocks the camera somehow, and he like digs his way out of the front yard and escapes. And like the show can't find him. And all the actors are like walking arm in arm, like, like a little kid has been missing or something. Right. And they, they, they fucking, they raise the sun in the middle of the night so they can see him, which is funny. And everyone like ch checks their watch. Like what the fuck? Why is the sun up? But what doesn't make any, any, any sense is that Truman escapes Seahaven on a sailboat inside of a dome that has no wind. Now, Kristoff turns on the wind later when he's using the quote weather program, but how the fuck did he get anywhere? That's a great, that's a great question. I don't know. There, where is the wind? Cause they are like in a dome. It's not like they're on a, in this contained set that's outside. It's literally yeah. a dome. So there's no, if you're not, if, if you don't use the quote weather program, which is announced later in the movie. Okay, we're turning on the weather program so we can control the weather. So clearly there was no weather before that. You're in a fucking dome and he's riding a sailboat. Is he blowing really hard? I don't know. That's a great that's a really that's some dumb shit. That and that's kind of unexplainable because like that's just a plot hole, a bad plot hole that they never so, really but honestly that's that's really my only one that I was like, okay, you could have thought you could have thought that through a little bit. They could have turned the, there could have been some explanation about having wind in the ocean at all times before, like something like that, but they yeah. didn't. So what, what's dumb to you? My dumb shit is the, how problematic it is to raise a person in this world that is 
where they don't actually get have any control over their life. Like this is like there's so many human rights violations that have happened in this show. You're like, so lame. You wait, human rights violations. You know, the, I mean, that, that's true. Show. Like that's like this wouldn't exist. Like this show couldn't exist in real life. Obviously, this isn't like some alternate reality. Uh, but you know, there's a lot of pathetic men out there that would be willing to do this if they got to bang someone that looked like Laura Linney. The whole not me. The whole synopsis. The whole synopsis of this, though, is that, like, he does not know anything about what's going on. Like, so, like, he he can't be aware that he's in a show. So you have to do that from birth. And there's so much problems that arise from that. Well, it said that he was the first person to be legally adopted by a studio. <laughs> so true. I guess this could... Uh, exist in a sense but like his parents aren't his real parents his wife not even his real real wife i mean essentially like they always uh, refer to like remember that one time you went on a really long trip and like it was really like the kid was just gone like his friend like when they're younger like he was just gone because he wasn't in the show at that time or was taking like a vacation oh yeah they said he got pneumonia got and he missed like a whole month of school and you're thinking what was he did he take a sabbatical like <laughs> did, he, did it was that his vacation but yeah like all these people in the show like they're all actors in it. And so they all have their real lives after it. And it's like very, the dumb shit about it is just like how much this couldn't exist in the real world. But that's, that's really my, that is the yeah. most right. dumb shit. But the only other thing I, I'd bring up that I, it was the scene I, I didn't really relate to at the very, very end. Truman's sailboat is going through the little fake ocean Kristoff knows he's going to hit the edge of the dome at some point. So he turns on the weather machine and he's, he's like fucking tsunami Truman. Mm. He's like, he turns the wind up to the danger zone. It's pouring down rain. Truman gets all tangled up in this, in the sail rope. And he's like drowning and Kristoff's like letting it happen. Like there's, that's like almost a bridge too far for me. For some reason, you would think Kristoff would just love Truman He's his meal ticket. And if Truman does escape and get out, he could do it again. Go adopt some new kid and do season two, the Brennan show or whatever the fuck. Right. You know what I mean? Your, your mom would have been very willing to sell you, I think. Yeah. Go go legally adopt, adopt someone else. So I mentioned that this script went through a lot of rewrites and it was very dark and very final at mm. the end before Peter Ware got his rewrites in. I was always wondering if Kristoff killed Truman in the original script rather than let him escape. I mean, I think for dram dramatic effect, like th that would be more interesting. It makes it makes Kristoff so unlikable, though, even in that moment mm. when he I wouldn't say that he was unlikable before in that moment. It's like, dude, you're going to kill him. Like, first of all, isn't that murder? Wouldn't you wouldn't you be held responsible for murdering somebody? Does he really want to kill him or do you think it, he's it, just wants he to? Can, yes, he's about to kill him. And mm. Paul Giamatti like disobeys an order. Mm. He's like, no, I'm not. Right. I'm not. I'm not turning the weather up again. You know, like we've gone too far. He's escaping. We have to let him escape the show. This is the end of the show. You know, that's true. So anyway, I, I didn't really care for that particular decision, but I get why you need that build up in the climax. Mm -hmm. So I'm not I'm not critical of it. I just didn't think it really fit Kristoff. Yeah. And I'm wondering if it was a but sort of a, a shade of an earlier script. Yeah. I, one of the things I've always, always questioned and wanted to see is like, you know, if there was a Truman show too, not like another Truman show like within the that place. Show. but like no but like what happens to Truman after he leaves like what does he become after this like that's all insurance salesman yeah like what he doesn't have any skills like he has no real skills I don't Dude, even think he'd be like host he'd be like a judge on the fucking mass singer and shit you know what I mean? Like he'd be one of these D celebrities 
that does those awful game shows and appears in random ads with other D celebrities about like, you know, the, the benefits of the new triple Magnum condoms, you know, like you just see him whoring himself off. I think he rejects that world though, because yeah. Yeah. Until you got to pay rent. I think he goes and lives on Fiji with the girl. That's what happens yeah. probably. Well, if she's rich, maybe. I mean, he's going to be rich. He's going to, someone's going to like take this case and like get him millions upon millions of dollars. He's a, like, he's living the life. Uh, you now. sound jealous of Truman. I think you really want a Brennan show. I, yeah, maybe I do. I don't know that I'd watch it. No offense. Yeah, me either. Um, Would you still do this podcast? Yeah, sure. Oh, then I'd watch that part of it. I, I, I would uh, <laughs> I would YouTube clip the one part where we're doing our podcast. So we talked about Jim Carrey a lot, uh, and we talked about Truman a lot, but I wanted to pose this kind of final question to you to end the show. Is this the best Jim Carrey performance? Dramatic performance? I don't know. Well, no, any. It any, could be any. No, I I mean, I really like him in... God, I can't think of the movie right now. The Mask. You're a big Mask the, I'm guy. a big Mask fan. Uh, no, Eternal Sunshine. I really like Eternal Sunshine. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like one of my favorite oh, movies. Oh, I don't like that movie. I have like a really good like experience to see in the theater. Oh, okay. So and, you, have, you have a certain thing going on with that movie. I think that movie's so fucking dark. I, it's either this or Man on the Moon. Man on the Moon's really good. Um, is Jim Yeah, I, th- I think... I think he's really good in Man on the Moon. That movie's so sad by the end, but yeah. it's. I, I I think this movie is much more rewatchable. I don't I don't particularly enjoy rewatching Man on the Moon because I know it's coming. Yeah. It just bums me out because Andy Kaufman was so fucking genius. Um, I really like Jim Carrey as Doctor Robotnik in the Sonic movies. Um, yeah, that's great. I don't know. Yeah, the, Jim Carrey's. Uh, this is probably one of his best best f- films. Uh, yeah, I think it. I think it's one or two. Yeah. So it's only 103 minutes long, which, you know, I love. It's under an hour, 45 minutes. Think of how much we just talked. All, all the fucking layers of bullshit we just dissected. It's under an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah. That's brilliant. Brilliant job. I was going to say pacing in this movie is amazing. Like it really goes, go, it goes so smoothly. Yeah. Let's not waste anybody's fucking time. Yeah. The budget was 60 million. It box office 264 million. So really, really nice success. Quadrupled its money. Yeah. And um, it's 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's got, I mean, that's probably, that's got to be the, the highest rated Jim Carrey movie, right? Yeah. I'm surprised it didn't get more love in the Academy. Like it, it should have. Got three nominations. It got I mean, nominated. That's... You're right. But it should have got Best Picture. Like I don't, like it, it got, it would get a nomination in today's world when it has, there's 10 nominations and Shakespeare in Love. But yeah, I you could you you could definitely make the argument that it should have won because Shakespeare in Love sucks. I can't believe that one. Who the fuck was voting that year? I don't know. That movie's awful. Like, like thirteen year old girls. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, Anna Paquin. She's in the Academy. She's like voting for Shakespeare in Love. Right. <laughs> oh man, True Blood. God, that show was so bad after like season two. My <laughs> God, was that a bad show? So if you think our show isn't bad, in fact, let's say you even love our show, you can love us physically by watching Brendan naked on his couch or by giving us those sick five-star reviews on Apple iTunes music, which we lust after physically, emotionally, spiritually. It's all we think about. Brendan has all these like little sayings written on his mirror and on his ceiling about like five-star reviews. Like it's his mantra. When he's going to have a tough day or you're in traffic, you say five star reviews, five star reviews. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so you you gotta help qualm Brennan's, you know, anxiety here by giving us those 
five star reviews. It's like this really. I'm just. I'm not asking really. I'm sort of just telling you. Yeah. At this point, if we so don't if start getting do more five star reviews, I'm gonna have to like start my own only an OnlyFans. I'm gonna have to have a live stream where you're gonna be watching me naked watch movies. So give me those five. Give us those five star reviews so I don't have to do that. How much would you charge? What would be the monthly subscription fee? Not that I'm pricing it for myself. I just want to know what you think you're worth. Oh, not that much. Like five dollars a month. Yeah. Dude, I may buy it just to rip on you. Like, it's worth five bucks a month to me. Uh, maybe, maybe it makes it worth it. If I do that and I get, and somebody just wants to give me $5, like, give me shit for being naked and watching movies, like, yeah, I, I probably can make a lot of money. Maybe I should yeah. think, consider this. So if you if you want to help us make money, if you want to help Brennan, you can email the show at super90sbrothers at gmail.com. All spelled out. Give us your 90s requests at super90sbrothers on Twitter, at Spokast pods with a k adampitzler.com for brennan pointer i am adam j pitzler this has been another show busting episode of super 90s bros truman show style and remember if you ever want to see a good tv show with somebody live and being totally uncut and to the point you can subscribe to brennan's only fans for only five bucks a month and watch him naked all you want peace in case i don't see you good afternoon good evening and good night Yeah.